It was a dark and stormy winter night. A half-broken neon sign flickers above me as I let myself into the seedy establishment. Hanging up my coat and hat by the door, I shake off the cold as I make my way to the empty table, dimly lit by a hanging lampshade. The barkeep and I exchange knowing glances, and he brings me a drink, taking the cash I've laid out. As I take my first sip, I notice a broad sitting at the bar, staring at me through a smoke-filled room. As I place my drink down, she stands up and approaches my table. Here I am, a down-on-his-luck podcaster, being approached by a dame like I've never seen before. Legs for days and curves to match. She stops at my table and pulls out a half-torn business card, tossing it onto the varnished wood in front of me. You're him, aren't you? She says. Time slows for me as the light from the lampshade washes over the text on the card. A look of confusion and fear crosses my face as I look at the woman standing over me. Who is she? How could she have known? And then a crack is heard in the distance. Then nothing. In the silence moments after, only the creak of the swinging lampshade is heard. A piece of it now missing. On the table, the light dances over an old business card. A bit of blood splattered across the corner. The card reads, The Podcasting Guild, Babylon 5. This is the Babylon Noir version of the Podcasting Guild, in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> How much of that did you not laugh through? None of it, Eric. How could you? That was incredible. How would you? I mean, come on. Why did you think anybody would not laugh listening to that? That was, uh, I mean, I mean, it, it wasn't meant to be, sincere, you know, non-ironic or not, you know. It was great. It was wonderful. Well done. Delivered. You know, Eric's in a past life was a radio host, and I felt like that really came across there. (laughs) I thought that was an appropriate intro for today's episode of Babylon 5 that we're reviewing on the podcasting guild. I didn't know where we were going. I was like, did I watch the wrong episode no i understand because it's kind of a noir episode isn't it there's a bit of a noir flavor to it a down on his luck security guard in the city bar a, how, how many words was that that was a long intro i don't know that, maybe I mean, you had a good time writing this it took me five <laughs> minutes so. oh my god five minutes you should be you should you should be like a pulp novelist <laughs> in a past that. life perhaps yeah, with that kind of productivity, you'd be one yeah. proliferate MFer. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Before we get into the episode, though, I just want to make one quick production note here. For those following along the series on HBO Max, the order of the series on HBO Max now kind of gets a bit jumbled up compared to the original broadcast order and our preferred order that we're going to be viewing it in. So the next episode on HBO Max is Signs Importance, but we're actually going to be skipping that one temporarily and going to By Any Means Necessary. I put more notes on this in the show notes for those of you that want to follow along in the same order that we're watching the show. I'll include a link to that order as well, which is found on the Babylon Project. So quick production note there. And yeah, just want to make sure. Why are we doing that, Eric? Why are we doing that? Well, because HBO Max messed up the order somehow and put things out of order so uh, we do have to jump around a little bit 
starting the next few episodes. I was watching a DVD box that you loaned me like six years ago. We would be in the perfect order at that point. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's a good note. I'm glad you said something. This isn't something I knew. So yes. Though you know, you said you were addressing the audience. I felt like that message was really for me. <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about it. We're we're six minutes in. Haven't even gotten to the opening credits here. Let's talk about season one, episode twelve, Survivors. Survivors, Survivors, yes. Survivors. Yep. That's how you that's how you pronounce that. <laughs> you know, I know I'm a broken record. I'm a pretty upbeat guy, but I liked this episode. I thought this was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. Poor Garibaldi really gets put through the ringer in this one. Yep. And they bring in some threads from other episodes. You're starting to see some of the conspiracies going on here. Yeah, yeah. Some threads. We learn that the interstellar empires still use hard species for their currency, which is an interesting <laughs> choice. Yeah. Yeah, we learn all kinds of things in this episode. So, well, let's see. My uh, first note is about the opening scene, or one of the opening scenes, which has a great, great scene with garibaldi and ivanova <laughs> just sort of uh, did i get a name wrong i didn't even no, it wasn't no. On you got the names yeah. right but they were chit-chatting on their way gone are the roller coaster seats they were just standing there like it's a bus or a train yep they did highlight or the announcer highlighted that it was a low grav area so be sure to hold on to things that's true and all the extras were holding on to things yes and I've never walked in a low gravity area, so I guess I can't say with confidence that it wouldn't look like that. So good job, <laughs> showrunners. <laughs> a yeah. plus. It was great. They were they were sort of trading cynical statements about oh 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 that's right the the so the president is coming to Babylon Five, and they're just sort of vetching, uh, as my <laughs> grandmother would say about. Yeah about how you know all the cost and blame for the preparation falls on them you know and and the whatever president and their security detail just get to show up and do whatever yeah but anyway (laughs) not a great intro (laughs) i think (laughs) all right i need to find my groove guys it's been a few weeks since we recorded one of these it's been crazy very busy need to need to get my head on the podcasting game here you like their little exchange where Ivana was commenting on how that was very Russian of Garibaldi to have the outlook of the government always taking advantage of them. I did, yeah. That's exactly what I was trying to get to. In fact, my note says that's a very Russian attitude. I commend you. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's exactly what I liked. It was sort of, I think, an acknowledgement by the writers that both of these characters are actually very similar in how they respond to situations. And so it was really fun to see them just (laughs) chatting and being like, oh, yeah, no, totally. I also agree. Oh, I'm never surprised either. Yeah, Yeah. that's a very Russian attitude. I commend you. Yes, I I thought that was a cute line. I will add that the line she says that to is when Garibaldi says, oh, nothing surprises me. And this is literally the last line he says before being really surprised <laughs> by a bomb going off. <laughs> I think a bomb would surprise most people, if we're honest. You know, it's true, but I don't think it was accidental that that line was juxtaposed yes, with that yeah. surprise. Agreed. Yeah, and that so that basically brings us to the main plot arc of the episode, which is a whodunit. In fact, is there even a B-plot? 
I mean, I don't know. Not I really. Think, I think the I think the Garibaldi being framed spoiler alert for the bomb is is the whole episode front to back. Yeah, yeah. They have a couple of little asides with the ambassadors, but no real B plot. Yeah. So this bomb goes off, and because it was a bomb planted in advance of a presidential visit, you know, this is a big security concern. Obviously. <laughs> so the sort of Secret Service detail are the guest uh, you know guest stars slash antagonists of the episode and they come in and are you know basically start saying hey we have authority to take over this investigation and they say that a lot and it's a point of contention (laughs) throughout the episode yeah but the long and short of it is the person leading the investigation knows garibaldi from the long long ago Mm -hmm. and thinks he is responsible for her father's death which if he is it's through negligence not through you know it's through inaction rather than action but you know still they have strong feelings about it and so a lot of the episode is sort of playing off does her suspicion of garibaldi you know is it warranted based on the planted evidence they find or is she just does she have an axe to grind right right and her personal dynamics coming into play in terms of the investigation and that kind of growth of garibaldi throughout the episode and acknowledging what happened in the past right well and you know she was played very sort of stiffly and you know very cold Mm -hmm. and i think that was to help make her the more of the antagonist because i think without that nothing she does is all that unreasonable like she's rude when she says, you know, I have the authority to take this over and I'm going to use it and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Like she, she like everyone in Bab 5, she has no tact, right? no soft social skills to navigate this situation. And is very cold and very kind of stuck up. But nothing she does is all that unreasonable. And on the other hand, everything Sinclair and Ivanova and Garibaldi do is like off the chain like you know the, mm. none, none of them handle this situation <laughs> in the right way by any stretch of the imagination so it's it is interesting that at the end of the episode again spoiler alert the lead investigator ends up apologizing and i just kept thinking like i don't think you did anything wrong i think these three chuckle nuts were like purposely impeding investigation because they're personal friends with the suspect right and like it's correct that they were right that he was framed but but that doesn't mean you need to like like prevent the investigation from moving forward or (laughs) yeah you know it's the suspect running around with a big gun version of uh of investigative (laughs) you know criminal investigation all over again Mm -hmm. so yeah so that was a little silly sorry that that was a very long-winded way of saying almost nothing (laughs) Well, another interesting side, the actress that played Diana Kemmer actually was a part-time actress. As far as I can tell from IMDb, she really didn't do anything else after Babylon 5. So I think playing that that kind of stiff role might have actually benefited her because maybe she was still kind of new to the game at the time and uh, kind of played into where she was at in terms of her acting. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, good on her for she must have crushed that audition. You know, she didn't have a much screen time on her career and was able to sort of get i mean i think she had more lines than than sinclair in this episode 
I think, I think so yeah more lines than anyone but garibaldi probably mm-hmm. so good good on her well so one of the ways that we're introduced to her being really no nonsense and maybe a little over the line is that there is somebody injured in this bomb blast and she decides to give him some some kind of serum that will wake him up he's in a coma so she can ask him questions but it'll kill him yep and she like just goes ahead and does it and you know without doesn't ask anybody (laughs) uh, just does it and first she asked him oh what happened was it an accident and he's like no not an accident and hey what if it had been an accident and she Mm -hmm. killed him that would have totally changed the tone (laughs) of this episode she would have been arrested for manslaughter yeah really but yeah he's like no it wasn't an accident and he says this in like coughs because he's because he's mostly unconscious and dying right yeah he says it's a bomb yeah he's in the process of shuffling loose this mortal coil exactly (laughs) yes but he does choke out the word bomb and then you know when she the other characters enter sinclair etc and are like what are you doing blah 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 and she's like he knows who planted it it was a bomb and it's like how what why would and he of course he did know who planted it but that's only because the writers wrote the dialogue and they wrote him <laughs> to know who did it but why would any of them think he would know and why would right? his testimony be at all valuable at this point because he's basically dying he's probably half conscious at this point so his testimony in court would hold no water no exactly it would be like i mean you don't have to imagine there's sadly tons and tons of examples of bombings and terrorist things all over the world this would be like grabbing the one victim and being like he knows who did it and you know in this case they were right but again that's just because fiction it's it's like (laughs) why would why would he know that part i i don't know I didn't, I didn't hear any satisfying explanation for why, I keep forgetting her name, but the investigator would yeah. think that this guy would know who planted the bomb. And then believe him when he says it, right? Because he could be hallucinating at that point. Or, as it turns out, he planted the bomb and he was just lying. Yeah. And yeah. you have to say, that's some dedication to the cause. I mean, you're dying and you're still, you know, saying, trying to frame the guy even though you're about to die yourself. I mean, it's That's true. Yeah. It's not like telling the truth would save his life. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't wasn't the cleanest writing. I yeah. think they probably could have made that a little more believable. But anyway, so the last thing he coughs out right before he dies is the name Garibaldi. And this is basically the start of Garibaldi being framed for this bombing. So when they go to investigate his quarters... One of the investigators, henchmen, says, oh, we found the bomb schematic in his Mm. quarters. And so they have a mounting, you know, pile of evidence against Garibaldi. And Garibaldi does the sensible thing and, like, turns himself in so they can conduct a thorough investigation. No, just kidding. He, like, kicks the guard in the shin and just bolts. He's like, bye. Before that happens, though. Oh, no, that happens. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we skipped ahead a little bit. First of all, Sinclair asks him to turn in his his badge and his gun and his security card. Remember, last time didn't do that. Oh, that's true. I actually even wrote down classic badge and gun moment. Yeah. I they actually did it this gun. time. They listened to yeah. you. <laughs> You're right. Yep. Yep. And then Garibaldi storms off. Or actually, no. The part where Garibaldi storms off actually happened before they went to Med Bay. Remember, they meet 
uh, Major Kemmer, who is the pro- or the antagonist in the episode, as she comes on board and uh, she demands to take over the control of the investigation. Garibaldi storms off and he gets into a fight with one of the street thugs while Sinclair is accosted by Jacquard, who's complaining about seating charts or for the uh, president's visit, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, I did like the little insert of, you know, <laughs> all the little petty complaints that Sinclair yeah. has to field. <laughs> <laughs> and then they deal with Kemmer going and dealing the guy that was dying and that scene happened. And then Garibaldi sneaks out to try to get away after he's forced to uh, hand in his gun and his uh, badge and stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah, and then when when they're like, you know, because they're with Garibaldi when they find the evidence in his room. Right. And so that's when he, like, literally just kicks him in the shin and runs down yeah. the hallway. <laughs> that's beginning hey. an episode-long manhunt for him. Being kicked in the shin is very painful. I, I should not yeah, have been exactly. before, so. Very painful. <laughs> It was just such a, yeah, pocket sand. All right, bye. It's like one of those uh, cartoon ninjas throwing up a a smoke screen and then standing there and then five seconds later, then he disappears. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like something out of Arrested Development or something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, and then um, what happens next? We see Garibaldi next in like the world's worst disguise. (laughs) I mean, it, it's not even a disguise, really. It's just a different set of clothes, I guess. But yeah, he's like keeping his head down and hiding his face like he's, you know, like he like, doesn't look exactly like himself. Mm-hmm. But he goes to Lando. Right. Oh, because they found some Centauri coins. Yeah. Which was supposed to be supposedly the payment he received for planting this bomb. Yeah. And, he, and he's asking Lando about them. Uh, mm-hmm. who, of course, denies him and blames Jakar. But I thought this was interesting. Why would they have... Or no, we don't learn until Cheryl a different scene that they're literally just gold coins. <laughs> they're some tarred ducats. Yeah, they're like little gold coins, basically. Right, right. Which is just interesting. I mean, we I think it kind use... of fits the the Centauri oeuvre, though. They kind of like shiny and kind of fancy stuff, so I think it might You're fit. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I would say if there's ever a place that specie for for currency didn't make sense, it would probably be space, mm. right? Because you'd need to add a lot of mass to, to account <laughs> right, for right. all the currency that you would need to make the economy work. You know, you'd have to have many, many hundreds of pounds of coins right mm. on board. Anyway, just use use digital currency. We, we, we're not even on space. And we're already mostly using digital currency. Oh, the humans do. They have yeah, exactly. credit chips that they carry. Oh, I see. I see. It, it varies by yeah, by alien species. They did talk about how later on the bad guy got credits deposited in his account and he withdrew them in Centauri ducats. Uh, uh, okay. All right. There is some sort of electronic banking. Yep. Well, fair enough then. Before he goes to see Londo, though, he went and visited our favorite underground Mantis mob boss for a little bit and tried to get him to give him stuff. But uh, the mob boss is like, no, you're still a cop. Go away. I'm not it's doing true. anything illegal. You've got to wonder why why they even let him in the room. I guess curiosity. But yeah, yeah. they're like, you're a cop. I'm not selling you stuff. Get out of here. 
He's like, I'm a legitimate businessman. Legitimate businessman. <laughs> In this legitimate business smoke. Yes, <laughs> you know, exactly. This is business mess. Don't worry Those about Those are legitimate this. business guards outside my for office. Legitimate, yeah, legitimate business guards <laughs> for this legitimate business room full of business mess. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. And then as soon as he leaves the business room, the two two of the guards that were looking for him come around the corner and immediately recognize him, which is notable because he's wearing one of them big old like Twinkie masks. Mm-hmm. And his face, I mean, it's not that obscured. Like it's one of those big glass face so you can still see the actor and it's lit on the inside so you can see their face. But still, it was a little sus how fast they recognized him. Yeah given that his face was almost completely obscured <laughs> so anyway then he runs away and gets ambushed basically by one of the you know street criminals that he was roughing up earlier and a couple of his friends and this was hinted at an earlier thing <laughs> saying like you can't just hide on babylon 5 you were the you know you, you were the the cop everyone right. hates you right <laughs> or like everyone in the places you would hide yeah uh, hates you and so this was kind of that prediction coming true that he was getting jumped and he puts up a pretty good fight we get a pretty great uh sort of action <laughs> scene am i am i putting this in the right place or was this after was this after the bar no this is before the bar this is before the bar okay good yeah Good, good. Yeah. I just remember the, uh, the very bad sound effects of the guy swinging a chain over his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, um, yeah, it was, I mean, for Babylon 5, it was a, it was a fine fist fight. I mean, let's be honest, stage fighting is kind of hard to do right in the best of times. It's true. Well, you know, I loved the ending, though, because the end of this I've written down Sinclair Falcon Punch. Sinclair just comes in and like, you know, with this full looping right hook, just right. puts one of these guys down. And, you know, that's that. Uh, yeah. It's like anime or manga or something where the, the head of the organization is also the mightiest kung fu fighter. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was pretty good. So that was great. And like as he's half scolding, half talking to garibaldi he looks away and garibaldi just straights up like ninja smoke poof and gone you know like the camera cuts away from him and then it cuts back and he's gone (laughs) oh 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 my wife caught this when they bring up his file Mm -hmm. his name garibaldi's full name is michael alfredo garibaldi yep he's italian yeah (laughs) i know a lot of people with italian ancestry i don't know anyone named alfredo (laughs) well they had to name the the dish after someone right no you're right and now that i think about it it probably is just the italian version of alfred but i also don't know anyone named alfred so maybe a name that fell out of use yeah it's back in use in the future michael alfredo garibaldi there so anyway, after this run-in, he runs to a bar, one of the seedy bars on Babylon 5. You'd think real estate on the, it sounds like the one and only intergalactic diplomatic space station. You'd, you'd think real estate, retail real estate especially, would be at a premium. But no, this little dive <laughs> bar apparently is economically viable. Okay, all right. 
I liked how when he walked in, everyone in the bar turns to look at him. Yeah. And they make note right. of that. It was like, really, guys? <laughs> yeah, I like, I mean, I like how they sort of had this nod towards like how everyone recognized him, but they couldn't right. actually have everyone try to murder him or you yeah. know, the episode yeah. wouldn't work. So, yeah, they all <laughs> turn to notice him. I don't know. He says something to defuse the situation, and then they all just like turn back and you know, are chill. Yeah. And he sort of sits down and kind of tries to look in- inconspicuous, and takes this dude who's sitting next to him just takes his hat, and when he goes to complain, he hands them one of these Centauri ducats, <laughs> uh, which again just looks like a you know gold coin. Yeah. And then when the danger passes, when the guards are gone, he gives him this hat back and he's like, okay, well, you don't want hat. You can take the the liquor. <laughs> and I was like, wow, gold coins. I mean, I guess right here today, a gold coin would buy a lot more than, than a bottle of liquor. But yeah, yeah, uh, I sure got a lot for that ducat. Mm-hmm. And this uh, was, I thought, the best scene of the whole episode because it's yeah. sort of already established that Garibaldi had a drinking problem and you know doesn't drink anymore. And we've actually already seen him this episode when he went to talk to Jakar, mm-hmm. uh, refuse a drink. And I thought the fact that this scene where he's holding this drink in front of him and he's not even saying anything, you can just see him weighing it and considering it. I mean, right. this had the more tension than any of the fist fights or interrogations or anything else in this episode like this was the most drama and tension i thought that we yeah. had seen yet which i thought was very well done indeed if you can have someone just staring at a, a glass of of liquid carry so much narrative weight i thought they did a great job yeah. with that yeah and they had done a good job subtly in the previous episodes of establishing that Garibaldi was clearly a non-drinker like every time he met someone at the bar, like a couple times he ran into Lando at the bar, those sorts of things, he would always order water. And Lando even commented on that once or twice, I think, in the previous episodes. And I think it's just really well done what they've done here. I think this really starts to establish one of the big differentiators between Babylon 5 and the other series. And that's just how human the characters are and how how many faults they have. Like obviously alcoholism and drinking and addiction are real world problems and people deal with them on a day-to-day basis and i think they handle it as well as you could at the time i think to be sure because they don't demonize him they don't but they also don't placate him either you know it's just like it's part of his character and it's a flaw and it's something he's working on and his friends recognize that too and i think they did a pretty good job portraying it uh so far in the series from that standpoint, I completely I really agree that. with that. I thought, yeah, the characters in Babylon 5 are have always been three-dimensional, but I really thought this episode just added a lot of depth to Garibaldi's character and letting them have these foils and these flaws and problems and whatever gives you the room to sort of have a lot of character growth, which isn't, you can have a, a great story without having any character development, right. but it's nonetheless another cool thing that you can do. And you know contrast this with star trek like how different is jean-luc picard three seasons in compared to the the first season like probably pretty much the same you know hasn't Mm -hmm. really changed as a character so it'd be interesting to see if the same could be said of like garibaldi and sinclair after a couple seasons or if we're going to see some developments in those characters and yeah yeah that that'd be cool i'd like to see that yeah definitely 
But yeah, so the the end result of this scene is that Garibaldi gets blitzed. And the scene where they show us that he's gotten drunk, I actually didn't care for that much. I thought it was kind of cliche, kind of tropey. Yeah. That he he just sort of acted the way everyone acts on TV or in a movie when they're supposed to be drunk. Mm. Which is fine. You know, it's a mid-90s, mid-budget you know, made for TV, uh, uh, you know, sci-fi series. Like I'm not expecting Oscar worthy acting. I just, I don't know. I didn't, I mean, when you struggle with, with something like addiction your whole life and you slip like that, I have a hard time imagining that you just become this carefree, jokey drunk. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I guess a lot of people completely change when they drink, but I would have liked to have seen some of the some of the anguish, some of the, you know, ultimately shame that we hear him talk about how he felt later. Right. Like some of that could have come through in this scene besides him just telling like bad jokes to people. And it's sort of being, it was kind of a little bit of a comic relief, honestly, in the middle of a rather heavy episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as much as I like comic relief, I thought it kind of detracted from the, look at the 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 dark place garibaldi has found himself in i thought it's right. it's sort of found itself at odds with what the arc of the episode was trying to evoke yeah and i think if babylon 5 had been made 10 years later it would have stayed in the darker place that it was starting out in and to your point they do revisit that at the end of the episode where he talks about it but they didn't really show it much in the uh drunk escapades at the end of that scene there no they don't and i have to say garibaldi i mean he sobers up but quick they basically have him like drunkenly try to escape and fail to escape from the guards after this right and what was her name kyra kira kemmer investigate kemmer kemmer major kemmer yeah major kemmer all right kemmer you know was like oh you don't look so good and then that's about the end of him being drunk like the next scene we see him He's talking perfectly. It's a bit hungover. Totally lucid, yeah. not slurring. So it really was, yeah, I don't know. They, they really just had a couple scenes of him being very drunk just to highlight that he failed in his sobriety. Right. Um, I don't know. I would have liked to see the drunkenness. Carry through longer. Yeah, than, so, or, yeah. yeah, a little more. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. A little more believable, maybe. A little more impactful. Yeah. I don't know. Because like I said, I thought that bar scene was the highlight of the episode. It was excellent. So much tension just from this guy looking at this glass. Right. And maybe because that part was so great, I felt like the scenes afterwards kind of let me down. They didn't deliver what that scene promised, I felt like. Yeah. But I did love, there's a, uh, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but um, at the very end, the doctor's like, oh yeah, you're doing great. Your blood level's close to 100 proof. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which I thought was a cute line. But anyway, okay, I've spent so long talking about Garibaldi getting drunk that I forgot to actually talk about sort of the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the meat of the episode, which is that he's being framed. I guess we don't know that he's being framed, but the audience, at least I, trusted that Garibaldi did not bomb the station that he's been working at <laughs> you know. for three um, years. Yeah, for three years. Yeah, exactly. So it must be a framing. And there are some great scenes where where Sinclair kind of dresses down Kimmer about how she just has an axe to grind but like in her defense 
they keep finding evidence like yeah, yeah it's planted but but still you know like <laughs> uh she didn't just make it up out of nowhere like a bomb did go off and they are finding evidence in garibaldi and garibaldi is like kicking people's shins and running away <laughs> Uh, not acting you know. like someone that was innocent to be sure no totally so i actually found myself trying to except for being okay okay killing that dude in the beginning because she thought he might have answers that was over the line yes uh, but other than her icy attitude and kind of just like overbearing demeanor I, I have a hard time actually pointing my finger at how she has actually handled things poorly or, or you know how, where she stepped out of line sinclair Stepped out of line all the time. I mean, not only did he <laughs> run into Garibaldi and just let him go, he and oh, and Ivanova clogging the communication channels <laughs> so the president's security detail couldn't talk to the president about their arrival at the station that was just bombed. Like, yeah, what the hell, Susan? Oh, and <laughs> That's don't, a much. don't mention implying that she would beat up Lieutenant or Major Cameron if she tried anything on the bridge that time. Oh yeah, I actually love that line. You know, I I really hope you're going to resist, or I don't remember what she exactly <laughs> yeah. she said, something like that. Which you know was great, and again because Kimmer had been acting so haughty and overbearing, it was satisfying, right? To you know to have that line delivered, but I you yeah. know Ivanova, you what are you doing? <laughs> like you know not to be honest, communicate with the president. It, yeah. it is in keeping with Ivana's character. That's like really not the is, first yeah. time she's threatened someone on the bridge. <laughs> no, and actually not the first time that she's uh, made improper use of the communications channels either. Yes, going so far even to thwart an investigation. Wow, actually, you're right. This is entirely within her character. Uh, yeah, uh, for Ivanova. Anyway, yeah, Sinclair, Sinclair too. I mean, he he's going around getting <laughs> fist fights for Garibaldi, but not doing much to actually help bring the situation to a resolution. Yeah. But anyway, what was the answer? Well, I'll tell you. It turns out. Well, actually, before I get into the resolution here, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? I'm, I'm moving a little fast here. One other thing I wanted to note, just really quickly, was how little security the president had in space <laughs> when he was traveling in earth force one he had four starfighters protecting him and granted they were traveling through earth space but you would think they would have like a whole convoy of warships protecting the earth president i imagine but that's just my thought that's an interesting thought my thought is if you would need an escort like that don't go there <laughs> i like, mean it is you should be, you should be is in neutral territory technically so I would but think they would then want again, to have a... we've seen Warfleet show up exactly at the drop of a hat. I mean, yeah. <laughs> even the the neutrals, despite being a disparate peoples united under or what are they called? Not the neutrals, the the League of Non-Aligned Worlds. The League of oh yeah, Non-Aligned Worlds. They are neutral. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were able to get the, get the whole coordinated fleet together in you know. What two cutscenes? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, small small escort for the president. We actually we never see the president or hear from them. We do hear his voice, but we don't see him. Oh, okay, fair enough. We do see his voice, but yeah, we you know they're they're basically a non character in the in the episode. It's a spaceship. Um, but yeah, it turns out that one of Kimmer's lieutenants is a member of the Earth fascists, the pro Earth. Home guard from yeah, home guard. a few episodes back. 
xenophobic xenophobic in this case in the most literal sense yeah <laughs> as you Very know these are, these are xenos right <laughs> yes fit right in with the 40k imperium though oh my yeah yeah they would <laughs> yeah they'd probably be the type that unironically loved the future space fascists yeah, and you know. exactly <laughs> um he was yeah so anyway member of the home guard was was part of the investigation and of course was like pl- you know going in not even planting, just walking into Garibaldi's room and walking out and saying, hey, we found these in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why even plant it? You could just hold it. Um, yeah. And was framing Garibaldi because he busted their, you know, their attempt to, uh, what were they doing? Kidnapping Sinclair? Which one was the home guard? The home guard one was where they uh, had the stealth suits and they kidnapped the ambassador and tried to force Sinclair to shoot him and, Ivanova's ex was part of it. That's right. That's right. Forgot about Ivanova's ex. Ex is showing up is <laughs> a well-trodden trope in this. Uh, in this they didn't show, do that for it? this episode. Not an no, ex this time. No, no ex is. Well, it's true. It wasn't an ex. It was. I don't know. A former. Uh, former a niece. Friend. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Former niece. Anyway. So they investigate this guy and they discover not only was he framing Garibaldi, but he's the one who just reported there was not another bomb, which at this point seems highly suspect. So Kimmer and Garibaldi are rushing over there. No one else, just those two. (laughs) None of the other officers that Kimmer. Where's the rest of security detail? Just those two. (laughs) And uh, they definitely attended the customs house school of security because oh both sides did (laughs) oh yeah i mean you know as they are approaching the the guy who they just identified was the most likely suspect for all this stuff kimmer the only armed party there briskly walks by him (laughs) and he just calmly like reaches out his little taser baton and just like tasers her in the back and she falls unconscious and it's like yep yep best of the best best of the best presidential security detail <laughs> right there and then the bad guy reaches out to get her gun taking his eyes off of garibaldi allowing garibaldi to kick him in the face or something and oh yeah yeah him. first he kicks the gun out of his hand which is you know awesome yeah uh and then and then they have a little scuffle and obviously garibaldi garibaldi kicks his ass actually it's quite a scuffle they like fight out onto a little catwalk yeah, and Garibaldi rips his communicator off and just starts yelling at Ivanova to stop the <laughs> countdown. You know, because they were going to launch the fighters. Yeah, and what didn't make sense to me is why is the bomb only harmful if you launch the fighters? It's still a bomb on a space station. Well, they hinted at it earlier in the episode that it uses like a vibration detonator, so uh, it requires like the movement of the arms you're um, right. releasing they the did fighters. Say that. I, I forgot that but you're right they covered their base there anyway and and so ivanova you know with one second to spare stops the countdown <laughs> thus thus saving everybody so garibaldi <laughs> you know despite being up against the wall this whole episode cornered like a rat still ends up saving the day uh, yeah great great garibaldi that, episode that uh one thing with where the timer stopped at one just reminded me of galaxy quest and that uh, one scene where they had to wait for the timer to go down to one because that's how it always happens in TV and movies. 
Galaxy Quest is such a great movie. It is. It is one of my favorite movies, and I don't really see it talked about much elsewhere, which always confuses me. Well, maybe we love, can do a special on Galaxy Quest. We should. I. Oh my god. The the thing. The problem is, is that Babylon. Or I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Galaxy Quest is is too self aware for this kind of commentary. Uh, that's fair. Right. That's fair. Like the. You know what are the what are random rooms in the middle of the ship with these big swinging <laughs> fan blades? Like that's explicitly part of the dialogue yes. of Galaxy yeah. Quest. You know, all my little things about like, why are there vast hallways just filled with steam on Babylon 5? Yeah, so, yeah. oh man. Yeah, anyone listening to this, if you like shows like Babylon 5, go watch Galaxy Quest. It's a loving send-up of all these sci-fi tropes. And it's Alan Rickman, RIP, in one of his best roles, in my opinion. Yeah. Tim Allen in one of his best roles. Oh my god, yeah, Tim Allen. Sigourney Weaver in there you're absolutely right what it's a, got a great I, cast we, we should go watch that movie that's a great movie we'll do a special end of season special if we make it that i far. love it yeah let's <laughs> do it let's do it and we'll review it as though as though it's completely sincere yeah know, we'll do a serious yeah. review of galaxy quest that's the plan exactly exactly <laughs> well okay hold on we got we have a little bit of wrap up on this episode yes which normally I would be fine leaving off, but there was a conversation between Garibaldi and Sinclair that seemed important enough to include, which was Garibaldi sort of expressing all this shame and guilt he had for slipping and for crawling back in the bottle and things got tough. And Sinclair basically responds to it with, we're all human, it's okay to mess up, don't think you have to go through it alone. Which I thought was a very tender response a very sweet response yeah and yeah i think they didn't say this explicitly but my impression was that this contrasted sharply with the kinds of reactions garibaldi has had in the past to his drinking oh yeah yeah Uh, i'm sure you know and you got a hint of that with kimmer's absolute sort of disgust at finding him drunk again she's just like drunk again uncle mike you know so you kind of got a hint of that disdain and contrasting that with sinclair's response which was very empathetic and uh, you know i i thought that was a touching moment yeah i thought that was great and i liked how they didn't demonize him and acknowledged it for what it was it's a fault yes but it's something that you know everyone has to deal with in one way or another and you don't fix those things or you don't address them by demonizing the people that suffer from them. The best way to do it, and I think as science demonstrates, is through compassion uh, more often than not. Yeah, no, I think that's totally true. And I think what Sinclair said, which is like, you know, if, if you go through it again, you don't have to go through it alone. I think that's a great takeaway for this kind of yeah. thing. Everyone has demons, you know, of some kind. It's just part of the human experience and trying to suffer everything alone and in silence is a a good way to let the demons get stronger i think so i think sinclair's message at the end was a a wholesome one and one that i wholly agree with is you know you don't have to go through it alone our message for you listeners is therapy is good so if you need to get therapy that's okay we support that what a what a upbeat ending i wasn't expecting that (laughs) after the opening who knows right right (laughs) <laughs> okay well even even with that intro we're not too long under an hour look at us <laughs> look at us go yeah so that was uh survivors 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 yeah we should say it correctly at least once <laughs> <laughs> right survivors <laughs> so before we wrap up the episode and we get into the 
last bit of production notes. Who was your favorite character this episode? Oh, I mean, come on, Garibaldi. Who can even Garib- compete? Garibaldi. Who can even compete? Garibaldi, I mean, he he was put through the ringer. I uh, Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. This was a great, great exploration into the character. So, yeah, I got to say Garibaldi. Great. Sounds good. All right, folks. Well, before we wrap up, just another quick reminder, uh, production note here. For our next episode, we are going to be deviating slightly from the HBO Max order of episodes. We are going to be watching By Any Means Necessary for our next episode. So just keep an eye out for that. And I will put a note in our show notes, including a link to where you can find our viewing order list. So if you want to tag along as we continue watching the series, you can check it out there. And with that being said, a good eating to it. Good eating to you. So I'm going to get into this intro here. Try not to laugh. We're going to do the intro. Okay. So here we go. It was a dark and stormy winter night. A half-broken neon sign flickers above me. <laughs> You're not supposed to laugh, David. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm actually not supposed to laugh. Okay, here I go not laughing. <sighs> this intro is going so well. Okay, from the top. From the top. I'm not laughing. Okay. Here we go. Not laughing. Okay, here we go.